Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpayingdoctor.com. Live and local, every afternoon, 2 to 4. This is Mark, Melinda, and Ed on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text them at 512-836-0590. I've been listening to your show for years and years and years. Now, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. 303, hope you're having an excellent afternoon. Jack is here producing. Last week on the day that the special counsel report was released, Concerning President Biden and the classified documents, right here on this show, we were asking the question, why was the White House allowed to see the report before it was released to the public and even call for changes in the report by the special counsel before it was released to the public? If you read the report carefully the day it was released, you noticed that. But there was a total lack of curiosity about that. From our major media until today, we have some follow-up reporting now by Politico, which says it has obtained multiple letters that Biden's lawyers were writing to special counsel Her months before he released his report. They started writing letters telling him how to do his job, how to make changes, what the final report should look like months in advance. Uh, Yeah, you can go back to October of 2023. They first wrote a letter actually to um, AG Merrick Garland saying this is how her should be writing his report uh, and not this is what it should include. It should be very short, succinct, and that is it. Uh, To which they got a letter back from the Associate Deputy Attorney General that said, yeah, on behalf of the Justice Department, this report is near the apex of public interest and it will be written the way that it needs to be written and then we had which we spoke about on this show after uh, the report was released that you had the lawyers sending letters to her saying you need to remove out the part about him you're just uh what is it called politicizing yeah yeah. uh, that has nothing to do and i thought it was is interesting that uh, one of the things that the lawyers said was that you're sharing your views here, and it is to malign innocent people. Mm. Well, that's not what the report said. The report did not say that Biden was innocent. No, they said he was old, and he was an old man who didn't have a good memory. They said yeah. he knowingly yeah, took the files. those yeah, documents, documents and retained them and shared them. Mm-hmm. Which that's is guilty. A, which is a felony. Yes. Yes. So this uh, is the follow-up report from Politico. There were multiple Biden team members on all of the big talk shows all weekend. I didn't see anyone ask about this. I haven't seen it addressed by any other media until today when Politico has this report. It really jumped out last week. And then there there, there was other reporting last week when this came out, how furious Biden's team was that there were so many mentions about the memory and they had specifically told her, don't put that in the final report. See, that's, and that was improper of them to do because this was a special counsel. This was an independent special counsel. This wasn't 
the Joe Biden council. Well, and reporting came out yesterday, you know, they're talking about it's improper to put anything in there about his failing memory. Uh, President Biden came out that night and was slamming them. How dare they ask me about their son? And they bring well, up the Bo, reporting yeah. came yeah. out yesterday. They didn't. It was President Biden that brought up Bo and mm. could not remember. He could remember the date as in whatever may whatever the day was he just couldn't remember the year but it was president biden that brought him into the conversation and that's why it was included in the report because it was something that he brought to the investigators the investigators weren't asking him about about Bo. here are the numbers 512-836-0590 today's wall street journal is reporting the congressional budget office has released a new report They're saying they're having to revise their outlook for the U.S. economy. They say that all of the illegal immigrants pouring into the country are going to add to our economic expansion more than what they had anticipated in the next couple of years. So they have revised their numbers from the CBO. The illegal immigrants will help fuel a bigger-than-anticipated expansion of the U.S. economy. I'm not surprised because of the raw numbers of immigrants who are here and the number of people who want to be working today uh, because that's the majority, I would say, most of them came over for a better way of life to get a job to send money back home. But to me, it is somewhat artificial with these numbers if because we don't know what's going to happen with this immigration situation. I don't know what's going to happen. If there is a new president, if there's a new president in there, not named Joe Biden, will we have market changes? Will be will people be sent home? Will we not allow? There's so many questions, but I think this is just somewhat artificial. But the raw numbers tell the story that people are going to go get jobs and help stimulate this economy. But the fear is by many, they're going to take away jobs. Well, there was a report earlier this week, I don't know if y'all saw it, that was talking about the numbers, uh, who's taking the jobs, and it was more migrants that took jobs than Americans, which, I mean, uh, seems to be fit. You got that many people coming across, they Mm -hmm. are going to take the jobs. The Congressional Budget Office is making a major assumption here. They're assuming these people will get legal permission to work, and we've been told that's not the case for the most part. It takes many months for them to get legal permission to work as they're waiting on their asylum claims. That's a big assumption on their part to run these specific numbers and come up with these calculations. Mm-hmm. They seem to be counting on a blanket legal permission application for all of these illegals. And it, it, it may come to that if Biden remains in charge, but that's quite an assumption. It is an assumption that they will get become legal or just get some type of green card or Work hard. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know. Will the Congress act on this, or will it just be something that President Biden, you know, waves a magic pen? Now, again, let's ask the question, why now on the release of this information? Why now on the release of this report? What else is happening right now? How would this shape any kind of debate that's happening right now in the Congress? Well, it would shape the debate in Congress, but I think some public say, whoa, the economy is going to get better. Our, uh, the output's going to be, get better. Our economy is going to be better with all these immigrants here. It's the hope to change the perception yeah. of what's actually happening on the border to say it's a it's a net benefit to everybody if, if we do this. Not 
you need to be upset that our borders completely open. That's all they're trying to do is change the narrative to swing towards them that what they were doing was right all along. 512-836-0590. Get in here and join the discussion. Call or text us, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. On your radio or streaming on your digital device, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Ed Choice is an organization that focuses on schools, parents, issues related to education. They're reporting today that their monthly survey of American parents indicates parents now put safety of schools as their number one priority when selecting a school for their child. It easily outdistances academics. The primary factor for the parents is safety in the schools. And it looks as though only about half of parents believe the current school being attended by their child is doing a good job of handling safety issues. Well, that that is very, very sad. That you, yes, it you, is. That you have many that don't think that their school is handling safety issues. I would think that that would be one of the highest priorities for the school as well. Uh, when you, I would, it just goes hand in hand. If, if you feel safe, uh, you are going to get a better education. You're not always worried or paranoid or looking at other things and being distracted by a sense of not feeling safe. It seems like that would go hand in hand. But it is sad that that has to be, you know, the top concern. It used to be, where is my child going to get the best education? Best I want yeah. in a district where they are a highly rated school district for academics. And sadly, that's just not the case anymore. Ed Choice says when you dive deeper into some of the data, 90% of public middle schools and 85% of public high schools have reported having at least one violent crime mm. committed within their school in the latest year where data are available. That would be the 22 school year. 90% of middle schools. Mm. One violent crime a week, at least. That, to me, Mark, this is just a, was a depressing story to read, read because as much as you think you've got a safe situation for your child, in this day and time, I don't know if there's any school that's going to be 100% safe, even if you've got armed guards there or whatever, because kids are going to misbehave and kids are going to do mean bad things look look just you can't imagine whoever thought in that little school in uvalde that something would go that wrong who thought who thought that because it's it was a, a school with a bunch of little kids uh the one in nashville the private school uh the private christian school that was safe and this deranged transgender former student goes and starts blowing people away just a sad sad story that parents or having to do this and go the extra mile and extra mile and to think they're in the safe, safe situation. Parents say they're concerned about bullying. Mm. And that's a big factor when they're thinking about safety. They're also worried about student-on-student -student violence. And then, of course, shootings are also a factor. Well, yeah, because the school districts have proven that they are not stepping up to make sure that bullying, even though a lot of them will tell you we have a no bully policy, they're not stepping up to make sure that the bully is removed and that it's not happening again. Uh, and then you have the case as far as the student on student fighting that 
the school in Houston that's trying to do something about it, but then gets the pushback from the parents and the students. It, yeah. Schools are struggling right now trying to find how to appease everybody, and they just need to go back old school and say, behavior problems not tolerated, period. Melinda and I got a call in the 5 o'clock hour yesterday from a listener who said he's a school administrator in the Lubbock area. And he was very upset with the local juvenile justice system in Lubbock. He said the prosecutors are not prosecuting the violent kids when we send them over there after they've done something. He went through a string of things that he said are very alarming and really inhibiting the ability of the school leadership to provide a safe environment. Yeah. It was a disturbing call, but not surprising because we've talked about it a lot. 512-836-0590. Also in the news today, ABC 13 in Houston has an update report on that woman who Mm. tried to go into Joel Osteen's church on Sunday and murder a bunch of people. The Conroe Police Department was called to her home 20 different times over a five-year period. Neighbors were calling Please come out here. Mm. She is scaring us to death. It takes up 49 pages of reports on police going out to the home of this woman who was going into that church bent on mass murder. There's no mechanism in place for put this putting this woman in psychiatric care after all this. There's got to be some something in place after all those calls, after all those incidents, after all those things to remove her from that household and put her somewhere to try to get better. But it didn't happen, and instead she goes into Osteen's church last week and shoots and kills. It's Well, and the police are killed. saying we responded. <clears throat> there was no crime that was committed. Was she acting crazy and erratically and trying to scare the neighbors? Yeah, but there's no crime committed, and there's not anything that we can do so again this is yet another call not about gun control which the biden administration would like you to think it is it's about mental health Mm -hmm. it's about putting as ed just said the mechanisms in place that when you have an obviously disturbed individual getting them locked away with help so that they do not become more of a danger to innocent people. Houston PD did have her involuntarily committed in 2016. We don't know how long of a commitment that was. It's just a brief reference in some of the reporting out of Houston. That was 2016. This covers a five-year period where neighbors call police for help with this woman. And it takes up 49 pages of police reports. And remember, the mother-in-law of this shooter said, yeah, she had been diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic, also Munchausen by proxy syndrome. She was actually using that seven-year-old son to get extra Social Security disability benefit payments. She was using him Mm. unnecessarily so, putting him through torture. The question, for years. The question is, why did she still have custody of that seven-year-old? Right. Then to just go in and use him as a shield as right. she went in there uh, to shoot up that church. I, so many failures. So many failures here. 
And that's what we, for most of these shootings, we say time and time again, all of the signs were there. There was plenty of time to intervene before it became what it became. Right. And yet, we just don't seem to do it. She was investigated by Child Protective Services four different occasions. Twice they concluded that she was harming her own son, and yet she retained custody of him throughout. 512-836-0590. Amy is with us at 323. Hello, Amy. Welcome. How are you? I am good. Hope you guys are well. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was probably before the holidays you guys had a show uh, talking about the state health facilities, that the mental health facilities that just aren't available. Yes. And unless you have some kind of privatized insurance, um, there's not many places that you can just stick someone. You can do a, a 5150, but that's only a psychiatric hold for 48, 72 hours. So the only option in Texas is jail, and they have to commit a crime in order for that to happen in the first place. And they're not going to get the help they need. So I think we really need to talk about restructuring our mental health um, facilities in the state of Texas because there is nothing available. And she should have been committed like the old days, um, you know, to get help because the parents were saying that, you know, when she was on her schizophrenic medication, she was a beautiful, thriving young woman. And then once she was off the meds, it was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, and, and, of course, you know, the CPS system is just so backwards and overwhelmed. I mean, sure, you know, we hear of kids all of the time in tragic, sad situations that are left in these homes until there is a crime committed. And it's, it's a really sad state. Amy, it was also very striking to me that seeing that this woman had a criminal record going back to 2005, and then the mother-in-law, the grandmother, tried in court to get custody of her grandson, and a judge ruled no, the child will remain that, with the mother. That is a fail of our justice system, and we see it time and time again. And, you know, that's why we have resources like CASA and things like that, because they need advocates. It's not just, you know, one grandparent saying, you know, even though she's committed these crimes, I want to take the kids. She's with her, the kids with the mom. So, in the, you know, across the board, they're going to usually keep them with the mom unless there is some. And, and the fact is that it was reported and documented. They're just so backed up, and there's so many horrible households. They can't just rip these kids uh, and, and place them in places. But, again, that was... That was a really sad situation that judge didn't see right through the mom's facade. That it, it strikes me as a very extreme case where the evidence overwhelmingly led to the conclusion, give custody to the grandmother. She's a criminal record yeah. going back to 2005, committed involuntarily in 2016. A weapons charge, Abusing illegal. Yes, kid. illegally the, the carrying was, a gun. I think, Mark, sometimes judges I, think... It's obvious that she should have been to the grandmother, but I think some judges just feel like the best, even though in some all these bad circumstances, is with the mom, which is mind-blowing to me on this one because of the of the woman and the life she led. Well, and you just had that case of the 15-year-old uh, that was uh, malnourished and died of hypothermia because his mother was starving him. He was an autistic child. She just got sentenced on January 29th. And it's just a sad state. Mothers are just as as can be 
just as evil as any other perpetrator against a child, and sometimes even worse so. And if these courts don't start recognizing that and helping these children, we are in a lot of trouble. The justice system has to stand up for victims of all ages, children, mm -hmm. teens, adults, and we've turned it upside down now. The victims don't seem to matter in so many of these cases. No, because they want to look good for all of the, you know, um, the fluffy rainbow, all of the, you know, they, they don't want to be too hard because everybody gets a second chance. But what happens? That kid doesn't get a second chance. He's in the ICU in critical condition because his mother was a monster. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate it. 512-836-0590. Join the discussion. Mark, Melinda, and Ed, News Radio, KLBJ. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. What is your excitement level for a presidential ticket featuring Senator Joe Manchin and Senator Mitt Romney? Uh, it would be better than Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. To me. It would be. You hear would, those crickets over there? It would be in better Melinda's for Melinda's corner of the studio. It would give voters yeah. something else besides Joe Biden v. Don Trump, Donald Trump. Yeah. Manchin was in Ohio today. He said, if I were picking my running mate today, it would be Senator Mitt Romney. Everything is still on the table, according to Joe Manchin, vis a vis running for president of the United States. Both of them are so. Is feckle the right word where they, they, they can, can't stand firm on anything? They go back and forth. I don't want that type of individual in the office trying to make decisions for all of us. They're better than Joe Biden or Donald Trump to me. They are younger, more moderate, more sensible, more energetic, and more in tune with America than the other options. Agreed. I think they are. I think they're not from the extremes from the far, far right and the far, far left. 76 years old, you count that as younger? Compared to 81. <laughs> <laughs> I can do the math on that one, Mark. 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts. Melinda's keeping an eye on <laughs> what's happening on in Fanny. Atlanta. I can't help but keep an eye on old Fanny because she's all over my feed. She is... This is the prosecutor who wants to put former President Trump behind bars for the Georgia case, election interference, uh, but the hearing is going on. Uh, what's happening now, Melinda? She appears to be a, a bit unhinged under there at times telling, she's after she's been yelling at all of them her answers, then told a prosecutor, don't yell at me and don't get cute. Uh, she was being asked about the cash with it was reported was paid to Wade in exchange for them going on trips or whatever to pay her fair share. And she said, don't tell me how to pay my bills. And she also said at one point when she was asked about uh, a video that's been circulating with her saying she would never... Uh, sleep with someone that worked for her is essentially mm. what she said they were asking her about that and said do you not consider mr wade as an employee and she said no he's an agent an agent of love <laughs> <laughs> she contracted him and employed him to come and work I, that oh. maybe he doesn't work in her office but he's working for her office which is about the same thing it, it is such a farce she's caught red-handed they had the affair. They traveled together. 
She spent money on him. She used cash a number of times to reimburse him. And it's just, it's a sordid, a sordid. Here we got two separate courtrooms talking about their sex life. Then we have Donald Trump and the porn star in New York, which is a crazy case. And I'll side with the president why this trial is even going on in New York City. This is ridiculous about the about the Stormy Daniels. It's ridiculous. President Biden's team is telling today's Wall Street Journal President Biden's anger is about to boil over at Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu that Biden just about has lost all patience with Israel and what they're doing in Gaza, and they are pushing the limits of his patience. It is starting to boil over, according to White House sources, talking to the Wall Street Journal. So you going to vote for me yet, Michigan? You going to let me in to come talk to you? You going to mm-hmm. give me your vote? See, I, I am boiling mad. Mm. It's just he's got one more line to cross, and then I'm going to do something. Yes, that final line would be uh, withholding U.S. weapons to Israel. Biden aides have been saying, Mr. President, you do have that option, but right now Biden is not ready to exercise that option. But it does say he is furious with Netanyahu. He does not want the Israelis to go into Rafah, the last real stronghold of Hamas in the Gaza Strip. He wants them to hold off and not go in. They had a phone call on Sunday. It was very short, very tense. Biden was furious with Netanyahu, according to White House aides. He can call and suggest and say, don't do that. But ultimately, this is the Israelis' war. And I dare say they would succeed with their own armaments. They, they are not a 100% dependent on what we will send them. They have their own army. They have their own arms. I'm kind of wondering why Netanyahu's still taking the call. I'm surprised that he is. I'm surprised he's just like, listen, I've got a war going on over here. I don't have time for you to get into my ear. I'm going to handle things the way that I handle things. You know what? If you feel the need that you got to pull the weapons, go for it. 512-836-0590. KXAN is reporting that the Austin City Council which is meeting right now, is talking about the possibility of charging you higher utility rates or putting even a higher property tax burden on your back in the name of fighting climate change. We've touched on this earlier. This is the brainchild of City Council member Ryan Alter. He's suggesting that we need perhaps billions of dollars to carry on the real war against climate change. Mark, this is not an issue for the Austin City Council. The Austin City Council should do the fundamental things of running a city. And this is, I'm not going to say it's nonsense because I know people are passionate about it, but this is not an arena and this is not something they need to get in the pockets of the taxpayers on this climate change issue. It's it's just not. It's not a local issue. Basically, everything the city council takes up is not something that they should take up. It's not something that they're supposed to be doing. And the things that they are supposed to be addressing, public safety, police contracts, they're sitting on their hands. KXAN says the city council has sent a memo to the city manager, examine whether we can pay for the fight against climate change with higher utility bills or if we need higher property tax revenue or a combination of both in order to fund our plan to fight climate change. Are they hey. so so naive to think if they gouge the taxpayers here in Austin that miraculously we are the world, we are the people, 
climate change will disappear in the world, the planet Mother Earth is going to survive? Are they that naive to think that they can do that and that will make a measured difference? Remind me of Alter's stand on if it's affordable or unaffordable right now and that we have to help out other people because Austin's become so unaffordable. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure he's on board with paying all of this stuff. And then he turns around and says, let's hike up utility rates and property taxes because that'll make it more affordable. Oh, you yes. know what? We'll be fighting climate change. So. That'll do it. 512-836-0590. Join the discussion you can weigh on weigh in on that one. Also, the story, a White House sources say Biden is just about to boil over with angry uh, anger at Netanyahu and Israel, and he's uh, just about ready to say, "Look, you've crossed the line. If if you want more of my support, otherwise we're done." Well, he he can he can say that, and I think he thinks that will appease the voters in Michigan and other places, the, his young voters. I just don't think it's going to work. His problems are far, far greater, just as Hamas-Israeli war. Florida Governor DeSantis announced today he wants to increase the fight against retail theft. He wants even tougher penalties on people engaged in retail theft. Yeah, he's not messing around no, here. Uh, yeah, first-degree felony if the theft is committed with a firearm or... This person already has two or more prior convictions of retail theft. That's punishable up to 30 years in prison and fines of up to $10,000, Melinda. Well, and he doesn't stop there. His second degree felony, if the criminals use social media to solicit others, we've seen that happen where the people start crashing to the stores and they're filming it on social media and come down here and and loot with us, uh, which would be... Five years, up to five years in prison, $5,000 fine. He's also going after those people stealing packages off of porches, making that a third-degree felony. He's not messing around. He says small businesses are getting hit hard with this, and it's time we take a stand and say Florida doesn't tolerate it. I know. I have no problem with it because you've got to send a message to these thieves who just, just boldly are doing this across the country and getting away with it. I think the the message is already out, Ed. Last week, a New York City police official was asked, why are these illegal aliens committing all of these crimes in New York and then spending the proceeds in Florida? Mm. And he said, it's simple. They know in Florida, they lock you up if you do this stuff down there. We don't lock them up in New York anymore. That's what he said. And they probably know their money goes a little bit further in Florida than it does in New York, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 512-836-0590. You can join the discussion. 342 now. Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Enjoy the podcasts of Mark, Melinda, and Ed at your convenience. You'll find them on NewsRadioKLBJ.com or via the free KLBJ app. A federal judge in Houston has ordered Houston police to stop writing tickets to volunteers who have been feeding the homeless on city property in Houston. This is a brand new order. It's a temporary injunction, injunction, so it's not the final word on this. But this group called Food Not Bombs of Houston is claiming victory. They say it's a huge win for our First Amendment now, rights. Now, Mel, haven't I? We've talked about this story mm-hmm. for years. And I believe, help me out, I'm an older guy, that I've always supported 
the food, not bombs, because I just don't think the city should be ticketing people who, in an orderly fashion, are feeding the homeless. I see both sides because it's on the by the library, right on the library, but I just hate it when these big-hearted people are feeding the homeless. So I'm still still supporting the food, not bombs, folks. I see this as kind of a win for both of them. However, a district court judge, this is a line in one of the in one of the stories. A district court judge ordered Houston city officials to stop enforcing a law. <laughs> stop enforcing a law. That yeah. is what is wrong, wrong, wrong. Mm-hmm. That's how we got to where we are. I'm going to put that aside for a second, but I kind of see it as a win because they also said that the nonprofit has to pay up uh, the bond money that was out there. They have to make sure that they're providing trash bins for them to throw the trash in, hand sanitizing stations. They have to make sure that they're not blocking the street. They're not blocking the entrance to the the library and that they have to take food safety training sessions so to me the ruling seems to be beneficial to both sides if, if part of the complaint was uh, you've got all these people here you're encouraging them to meet at a public location which in return could stop or hinder the public mm-hmm. from being able to access that and the judge is saying you got to make sure that they don't do that houston had offered public property within walking distance of this location and this group turned it down. Yeah, uh, they offered it to them. And the library staff has indicated patrons are telling us we're not comfortable coming in here anymore. Some of them said they've been scared mm. by some of the people waiting to get the free food. Yeah. So attendance had been dropping. Police wrote 90 tickets to the volunteers handing out this food over the course yeah. of this dispute. And now, at least temporarily, the judge is citing with the group Food Not Bombs. I wish they could come to a mutual agreement, and I don't know how far, though, in what you say, walking distance. Is it a long walk, a short walk? Is it kind of behind a corner where people don't know where to go? I don't Put up know, a Mark. sign at the library. I Food mean, how difficult way? is it? Yeah. yeah. I, and the city's whole thing was you're getting people to congregate here, and it is causing a problem for the library itself and anybody that wants to do that. Um, and... The food, not bombs, says, well, this is a place they know. It's easy for them to find. Put up a sign. We've got free food this way. Walk a block, and it's right there. You have to take into consideration the rights and interest of all of the taxpayers. Yeah, This do. is taxpayer-owned property, and there are rules and guidelines on its use. 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts New survey out this afternoon, according to Axios, it says that about 80% of Americans say the U.S. government is doing a bad job dealing with the large number of illegal immigrants crossing the border. 80% have that attitude. Let's stop right there before we dive deeper into that. What are the implications of this very large number in terms of of politics and the presidential campaign. It's bad for Joe Biden. It's terrible for Joe Biden. Yeah, because other polls, more times than not, cite that the majority think the Republicans can better handle the border than Democrats. The fact that you have 80% agreeing on something and that agreement is that our government is doing a bad job. 
it's time for either to get rid of them or get newbies. Right? Who's at the head of the head of the? It's 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 Joe Biden saying that, even though the Democrat had a surprise surprise victory in New York State this week, and George Santos congressional and that he made a immigration a big issue of that i'm still scratching my head how the people are convinced the dems are doing a better job than the r's in that department remember uh that this number is 80 percent even though for most of the last two to three years a lot of the major media have ignored this story this has only really taken over a lot of the major outlets in recent months so this is pretty amazing that it's now at 80 percent 57 percent say Illegal aliens are driving up crime in America. What do you make of that number? Uh, I think uh, there is some truth in our major cities. Yeah, that's driving up crime. I think the numbers are there in the major cities, and we've seen that firsthand with the crime. In New York. Sure. Mainly, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's probably where that's coming from when they're saying uh, they're being hit, whether it's pickpocketing or just out-and-out stealing or attacking other members, be it the police or just people out on the streets stealing their cell phones. I, I think that that's probably, when that gets out there, that's why you have so many that think that it's really driving up the crime. 78% say the large number of illegal immigrants who are crossing the border is a crisis or a major problem. It's either a crisis or a major problem. Yes, yes, it yes, is. yes, 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 <laughs> Absolutely, it is. And uh, sadly, if we are waiting for any politicians that we have right now to do anything about it, I think we're going to be waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, and remember, uh, the Biden strategy now is to tell Americans he is the tough on border security candidate, and it is Trump who is soft on the border. Which You're is- going to hear that from yes. now on. That is the message, and other Democrat candidates are going to be preaching that as well. And they're going to preach that, and they're going to talk about abortion. But in your right mind, who would think the Democrats are stronger on the border? That is absolutely stone-cold ludicrous to think that. They may have been able to get away with that if we wouldn't have already had four years of Trump as president. That right. stated That stated not only his mouth verbally stating it but the numbers went to prove it as well don't you remember build the wall they didn't want him to build the wall i mean there's so many things that go against what they're saying that i i just really they think that people are stupid and that they do not recall the four years under trump he ran on it he backed it up with real action when he became president you're right 512-836-0590 KXAN is reporting today on an effort by TxDOT to use 130 as a smart freight corridor, meaning for those autonomous big rigs. What's grabbing you about this story? Well, I just thought it was interesting. All the technology, what their Mm -hmm. plans are is that there'll be the sensors and the cameras, and it's supposed to be able to gather information and alert one of these self-driving trucks several miles before they get to it so that they have that information hey i need to move to the right the left i need to go ahead and start slowing down that was one thing just the technology is so astonishing to me because that's so beyond how my mind even thinks but the other thing is is that it's happening on toll 130 where the speed limit is what 85 85, i believe for the majority of it that just seems like a crazy place to have you know the driverless vehicles going TxDOT says it chose 
130 because it's a newer highway and it's already designed with the infrastructure to support the technology. Also, a lot of self-driving trucks already are using 130, according to TxDOT. So they say it really makes sense to do this on that 21-mile corridor. 512-836-0590, one of the companies that's already been uh, operating these big rigs for years here in Texas, says it intends to go without drivers by the end of the year in all of its big rigs. That's their goal, and we've talked about that before. How about making all big rigs on 130? Ban them from I-35. Autonomous and real what truck if, drivers. What if they have to get into downtown? Go on 130 and take a side road all the way in? Yink. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, 512-836-0590. Were you going to make another point no, about that, what's that going on point. on 130? I just see so many trucks, so yeah. many trucks on I-35 when I get off work. It's just mind-boggling. Uh, this is Jack at 353, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Hello, Jack. Welcome. How are you today? Hello, hello, everyone. Um, hey, two points on the topics. One, with regard to the illegal immigration there's 10 million that have come in since Biden took over. There's 25 million in the country now. And one of the untold stories about why our insurance rates are so high now in this country is because there's an explosion of uninsured uh, damage claims being paid out. Most of those 25 million are uninsured, either drivers or otherwise. That's number one. Number two, the election in New York, which um, produced a, uh, Democrat uh, replacement for Santos. That was a district that was 75% white college educated with Asian, uh, 15% Asian. And the way that Democrat ran was um, on pro-abortion, anti-Trump, and a um, tough on immigration uh, stance. Even though in his previous times in uh, Congress or in government, he voted with Biden 100% of the time. So what that tells you is that Democrats are running out candidates that are more or less fake, and they're putting out a brand that is essentially fake. On, on your first uh, point, is there a report somewhere on the uh, uninsured that you cited there? I'd like to check into that, Jack. The, the, uh, the, I can't cite the actual report, but the insurance companies have come out and said that there is an explosion of uninsured claims. They don't call out uh, illegal immigration, but we know that with fake IDs being, you know, uh, expansive within the illegal uh, immigrant community, that they are primarily mostly uninsured. Yeah, and I think Texas officials in recent years have uh, cited data to that effect mm -hmm. right here in Texas. Uh, Ed, what are your thoughts on his comment about the special election in New York? Well, I think he's right on target. I think they're going to use abortion in many, many parts of the country, abortion. And this thing about uh, I'm tough on immigration. It's not the Republicans. but uh, And I think it brought up a good point about the college-educated people there. And I think uh, uh, this Democrat had served in that capacity before there. So... Uh, what, it was a somewhat a surprise. I'm always surprised when Democrats win and they run on immigration, but I guess it wasn't. <laughs> Jack, well, what did you make? What did you make of the criticism that she was a really poor candidate? Wouldn't say who she voted for in 2020. Had been a registered Democrat. All of that stuff. Yeah, I think she she was discredited publicly. She came out, you know, very cautiously, you know, related, relating herself to Trump. And I think that probably 
caused a lot of the base to not come out and vote for. She see what you can't do in this electorate is you can't you can't play down the middle. You're either with Trump or you're not. And you can't get the base out to vote for you if you come out down the middle. And that's that's what you know, I I don't think she was a very good candidate because she was a Democrat running in a republic basically a Republican race for for the most part, but you can't try to run down the middle in these cases. We've seen it time and time again. It doesn't work. Jack, thank you. Have a good afternoon. The news is next. Melinda and I are right here with you until 6. Ed is on 4 to 6 on 102.7 ESPN Sports Talk with Jeff Ward. Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.